You're listening to the City World Radio Network. High definition digital radio broadcasting from the city to the world. www.cityworldradio.com
Good evening, and welcome to Morph Mom Moments. Uh, Such an exciting night tonight. I'm so thrilled and honored and excited about our guest. Um, But before I tell you about our guest, I'm going to give you just a quick intro into what you've gotten yourself into tonight. My name is Kathleen Smith, and I'm so honored to have everyone back tonight who's coming back to the show. And those of you who are new to the show, welcome, and I hope you enjoy tonight and you continue with us every Thursday night. So basically, uh, it's called Morph Mom Moments because I founded Morph Mom about six years ago. And it was due to, I didn't know what to do. I'd raised, I'd stopped my job, I had kids, and I couldn't figure out what to do next. And rather than reinventing the wheel, I decided that I would go and find women who had figured out what to do, how they did it, the steps that they took, and I'd share those steps with others and give them an idea of what to do, what was out there, and how to do it. So that was six years ago. We started with a website. Uh, it then continued on to a radio show that we have now. We write for the Huffington Post. We have classes. We have conferences. And the next conference, by the way, will be in New Jersey on Monday, April 23rd. And you can go to the website to find out about it. It's morphmom.com, M-O-R-P-H-M-O-M.com. And what's really exciting and a great tie-in and segue into our guest tonight is that my guest tonight will be speaking at the conference. So Megan McDowell, I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so honored to have you here. She is the founder of HeartWorks, and you're going to hear about one of the most inspirational, amazing, uh, I just can't even explain how wonderful it is what she does and how many people she helps every second of every day. And so it's not just that you're here because I'm so amazed by your story, but with gratitude, I'm so grateful that you're here to share that. And I also want to introduce my co-host tonight, Amy Honeywell, Seema McGrath, and Lisa Carey. So without further ado, welcome, Megan. Thank you, Kathleen. So, Megan, as I said, you're the founder of HeartWorks. Tell us about that exactly. Before we go any more in-depth about your whole story, tell us what HeartWorks is. Sure. So HeartWorks is an acts of kindness group that helps people during their first year or so of either illness, uh, a serious diagnosis, serious health crisis, grief. Um, And what we do is we replicate the types of acts of kindness that happened uh, for my sister when I lived at her house for six weeks after the attacks on the country. So when you say that, can you now sort of go back into that when you say... You know, how it affected your sister and affected your family. Sure. So my sister, Marianne, uh, had been married to John Farrell uh, for many, many years. They had four children. They were living in Basking Ridge, New Jersey. And John was working in the South Tower on 9-11. And when he didn't come home uh, later on that week when we were waiting, we were waiting for the phone calls. We were waiting for John to contact us to let us know that he was safe and... um, Clearly, that's not how the story went. Um, and as soon as he, as soon as we realized that he was not coming home, it felt like the entire world showed up at her doorstep. It felt like every single need that we um, were struggling with, somebody from somewhere showed up and assisted us during the darkest, darkest hours. So what HeartWorks is about, Kathleen, is replicating the kinds of things that everyone listening did for someone after 9-11 because that's the unique thing about 9-11 is that when I'm talking to your audience um, I know that everyone over a certain age that I'm speaking to did something for someone 
And that's what HeartWorks is about, is that at what point did we allow things to go back to normal life? At what point did we stop reaching out to people? And HeartWorks is all about continuing that. That for me, there, I didn't want there to be a stop in that. So it's, it's interesting that you say at what point um, did it start? When do you believe it actually did start? And, and through your own experience and now through all the people that have become involved with HeartWorks. Sure. Um, we started HeartWorks, I believe it was three years after 9-11. Um, I was, had, had young children. I had two daughters at the time. Now I have three, but I had two. Um, so I had Madison and Caroline at this point, And I was in a play group um, with awesome women in Bernardsville, New Jersey. And... What I kept thinking to myself was, I've met these awesome women. We moved back. We were living in Boulder, Colorado for um, many years before 9-11. After ni- about a year after 9-11, we moved back to Bernardsville, where I was raised. And I was meeting so many incredible women. But everybody seemed to have um, a lot of time on our hands. You know, we live in this very safe, very beautiful, very um, wealthy community. And people seem to really have a lot of energy and a lot of good to give. And when, so I I would say that it was about a year and a half after 9-11 that it felt like the eye contact dropped, the hugs dropped. All of a sudden, people started being more concerned about their jobs and the cars they were driving and the parties they were being invited to, all the things that nobody worried about in those first months after 9-11. It felt like all of a sudden that stuff was popping up on the radar again And all I was concerned about was trying to get everybody back to the love fest that we were in. And I, for sure, wanted to get away from the trauma. I mean, what had happened to my sister, the trauma that my sister and her four children were still in, was so depthful and so deep. But it felt like, to me, why were we all rushing to get back to normal life? I didn't want to let go of the love fest that we were all in after 9-11. And so what I said to myself is... What if I start this group with these wonderful women that I've already met? What if instead of just getting together for wine and appetizers, what if we get together for wine and appetizers, but also start doing things for people? Because there were so many people I just knew about in our town that had had diagnosis or their house had burnt down or they had been in a car accident, much less public losses, but they had the same pit in their stomach that my family had. They were having a very parallel experience, even though even though it wasn't a historical event, which is so bizarre because John Farrell, who worked for Sandler O'Neill, my brother-in-law, he was just such a normal guy, like just such a love and loved his children, was so good to my sister. Um, but he wasn't, the world didn't know about him until he was killed on 9-11. And then all of a sudden, Marianne and her children were catapulted into this category of being a 9-11 family. And so the love that came to us from the world was unprecedented. And it was literally every day for a long time people showed up for us. And so when the world started to get back to normal, in my head, I just was haunted by all the families that were getting cancer diagnosis, that had been in car accidents, that there was severe uh, injury in their family. And were people paying attention to them? And so for me, as a way to literally say, and I, I don't, I know this sounds dramatic, but it is true for me to say a global thank you, I dedicated myself to every single day, literally for the rest of my life. 
I will do something for someone in some way in honor of saying thank you to the things that were done for my family. When you decided sort of to go this route and how you were going to do it, did you, was it hard to find a following at Roots? So it was like a grassroots movement to get this going. Yes. Did people just jump on board immediately? People jumped on board. It's- it was like white on rice, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was, it was literally like, hi. I mean, the first meeting we had was in my house in Bernardsville. And uh, I think um, I'd have to check the notes for this. But we had, I believe, eight or 11 women show up for the first meeting. Um, but once word got out, it felt like to me that what the women in Bernardsville and Basking Ridge and all around us were craving was once I put out that idea of, do you remember what you felt like two years ago when literally nothing else mattered except being grateful for your family, being safe and giving to another human being? Do you remember what that felt like? Come to my house because that's what we're trying to recreate. That's what we're trying to continue. So if you don't want to let go of that, come to my house. And then everybody just started to flock. So we... You know, currently right now at a meeting, we have our meetings the first Tuesday of every month um, in Basking Ridge, New Jersey. We get, I mean, what would you say, Amy? 70 women. At least, yeah. On average. average, Um, And it's unbelievable. And I get made fun of because, as Amy knows, every single month I'm like, is anybody coming? Who's coming to this? And then the doors open and women come in because I think what we are all searching for, the world right now, no matter who I talk to, no matter what political party you're from, I think the one agreement is things feel out of friggin' control. Things feel so scary and so anxiety provoking, uh, provoking in our country. And to be able to come to a place, we have a house now, that's a whole nother bottle of wine, Kathleen, that's a whole nother <laughs> meeting downstairs in the uh, bar suspenders. <laughs> Uh, That's a whole nother thing. Um, But to be able to come to a place like Heartworks where there is absolutely no bullshit. You said I could swear, right? Okay. (laughs) There is absolutely no bullshit when you walk walk through uh, the doors of Heartworks. It is literally so genuine and so pure. There's zero ego. It is literally like if you are a person that wants to get out of the static of your life and do it through giving – and do it through receiving and do it through practicing gratitude, come to HeartWorks. Do you see an age group that comes in? Because it's interesting. So, you know, we all have kids who were not many, some were alive during it, some were not alive during it, but know every detail about it and are so, you know, through our own stories, through other stories, are so familiar with what happened. When you do get a following, or, or the women that do come, is there an age span, or is it primarily those who, maybe more our age group who, who lived it, or do you see a millennial so representation? There's, there's a few parts of that. One part is our oldest member, um, Margaret Riley. Hi, Margaret. <laughs> um, Margaret is in her late 80s. My mom comes. She's 83. Maureen Sullivan um, <laughs> is a heart worker. So I would say we go from 80s down to... In their 20s, yeah. So younger women show up um, that may not have been, not have a ton of memories of 9-11, but they show up because they understand what we're trying to do. And again, it's open to anybody that is looking to go more depthful in their life. And there are certain tw- certainly 20-somethings that feel a little lost. 
So the illusion is that you kind of come to HeartWorks to help. But once you come to a HeartWorks meeting, you realize that you're there more for yourself because through the giving, we heal our own stuff. Um, the second part of that is we have a junior HeartWorks group um, run by Kelly and Beth and Becca, some heart workers that have taken on the group. And that is for high school girls that want to practice the philosophies of receiving, giving, and being grateful. So we do have a high school group that is set up that meets once a month. I love, so when you go to the HeartWorks um, site, and everyone out there, again, it's HeartWorks.com. Um, New Jersey, uh, org. So Sorry, so to disregard what I just said. Anyway, <laughs> when you go to the correct HeartWork site, which they just said, um, one of the so you know you say about you say home, and one of the most fascinating things is it's it's sort of the philosophy philosophy behind it. And there were sort of three yes. things that you said, and yes. one of them was it's not just about the giving yes. gracefully, yes. but it's the receiving yes. gracefully as yes. well. And tell me a little bit about that, yes. which I think is actually probably one of the most difficult things in the world so to actually admit psyched that you're asking me about the receiving Kathleen <laughs> well I think honestly and I don't know if again my co-host tonight Amy Lisa and Seema how you guys think feel about this but I actually think sometimes admitting it, receiving course. it gracefully if you want to receive it gracefully but to admit that you need of course to help and of that you course. need to do that I think of is course. one of the hardest things you have to do of course and so much harder than the giving. So that's why, for me, in my mind, the giving is just an afterthought. We're all good at giving. If you, I don't mean to be whatever, but if you are a woman, you know how to give. It's what we give. It's what we do. It comes naturally. It feels good. Um, it's actually just a part, I feel like, of our DNA on the planet is that we're givers. The challenge is to receive and what we try to really teach people um, in HeartWorks is that I want everybody to think about this concept, and I'm so glad you brought it up. Because what if 9-11 happened? I don't know if you've ever thought about this, Kathleen, but what if 9-11 happened and every family that lost somebody on that day or was in the buildings or on the ground or in the airplanes, what if everyone was too proud to receive? And what if every person on 9-11 said, no, thank you, I got this? It would be a completely, completely different situation. The world, it is a horrible thought. <laughs> and the world would be a completely different world had everyone who was in a place of need during that time had said no. What opened up everything for our country and for our world, what connected people from all different races, all different political parties, literally was the fact that the people that struggled the most and suffered the most loss after 9-11, they said yes. And then that started the idea of being able to give. So for me, the idea of giving is an afterthought. It is the receivers that are the teachers and that allow the givers to have an experience of God. So if you are in a place right now listening to this podcast and you are struggling, and you are hesitant to receive, what I want for you is to resist that and receive. Because it allows people that are giving to you an experience to be opened up to the invisible, to God, to the unknown, to the healing that only takes place when someone is saying, yes, I receive with grace.
a typical. So can you maybe tell, tell us about a typical experience of someone that, you know, now, 2017, sure. reaches out to you? Sure. Or maybe they don't reach out to you. Maybe you reach out to them. What would be, I, I know there's no typical, but. So the way that we usually come in contact with families through HeartWorks is that somebody says to us, I don't know if you heard about this family, but this mom just got diagnosed with breast cancer um, and they live in Bernardsville, or they live in Basking Ridge or they live in the surrounding areas. What can HeartWorks do? And one of the things, everything is through word of mouth. We're so grassroots. Everything just comes to us through somebody hearing of a story. Um, because we are so grassroots, it's very direct giving. Everything is so direct with us. Um, we're practically in the people's living room when we're, <laughs> when we're giving to them. Um, but how it normally works out is somebody hearing something or knowing of somebody and then saying, what can HeartWorks do for them? My first thought is always to be super conscious to not step on toes and to not be an extra burden for the family. Because sometimes when you feel a, re um, a responsibility to receive, um, that adds on to people's burdens, and we never want that. So we try to do things as low-key and as direct as possible. So if you're, I always say, like, if you're sick and you have breast cancer and you have no eyebrows and eyelashes and no hair and you're in your bathrobe, and you've been puking all day, I don't want you to have to answer the door. I don't want you to have to put on your Lily Pulitzer bathrobe because you think you're answering the door. I want you in your festers, comfortable, in your bed, not having to get up. So then we just put a cooler outside the door, or we drop something by the door, and I send you a text that says something's waiting for you outside the door. We never want to add to somebody's struggle. And sometimes when there's a lot of attention on you, through the community, you can feel that pressure. And I never, ever, ever want that to happen for someone. So we do things as directly, we do things through friends of friends. If we hear of something happening in somebody's life and we know one of their girlfriends, I'll call her girlfriend in for a glass of wine and say, can we talk about what we can do for her? And we just do it through the people that the person we're giving to already feels comfortable with. So that they don't feel like this quote-unquote organization is giving to them. Because I, I don't even think of us as an organization. I know that we are, that we're an official 501c3 foundation. But for me, we're just women looking to be cracked wide open and um, get out of the static and be grateful for our own lives and give to other people. Megan, I think this is such an amazing organization and like, how can, are you beyond New Jersey, Basking Ridge, New Jersey? Like, are you anywhere else? Well, we are. <laughs> um, and I laugh because um, I pretty much have no boundaries. My heart has a really hard Good time. <laughs> my, <laughs> my heart has a really hard time um, setting boundaries, but I also know that I'm, in charge of a foundation. We're a 501c3. Um, we need to have some regulations and some boundaries. So basically, the general rule of thumb is that if you are within a reasonable distance of Bernardsville and Basking Ridge, we are certainly dropping you off things. And then if you are out of state, we try to do more one-offs, like um, send somebody um, uh, a gift certificate for them to order meals in for a month and try to reach out to people that way. I will say that with everything that we do, whether or not you're local or you're from a distance, is um, we have this idea of signing these cards. And Kathleen um, saw the cards when she came to the meeting. So the idea is that after 9-11 happened and my sister would go to bed at night, she just couldn't bring herself to read literally the hundreds of cards that were covering her dining room table. 
And so she would go to bed. We would open the cards. She would eventually, eventually she read everything, but it just was in those first couple of weeks. She couldn't bring herself to do it. So my mom and my um, sister and when my brother was in town, we would sit and we would open these cards. And the signatures are what struck me the most of just complete strangers taking the time to write this handwritten note. And I would look at their signature and it just, I could feel the love coming through these handwritten notes. And in that one moment, it just made me feel less alone. Didn't bring John back. Certainly didn't bring um, a miracle to the situation in terms of the kids losing their father. But for that one moment, we felt this universal love coming from human beings we had never met before. And I can't explain to you the power of that. So that when HeartWorks was established and we started to get more um, serious about what we were doing, I said, I never, ever, ever just want to send a check. There will never just be an envelope opened up and a check inside. There will always be a handwritten note from another human being reaching into your darkness and saying, this is the way that I give to you. So um, we have the handwritten notes that go with everything, whether you live in Burnsville and Basking Ridge or somewhere else around the country. You will open up a card with 60, 70, 80 signatures written on it. And they're all in bright colored pens because a few years after 9-11, my father, who uh, Larry Sullivan was one of the greatest fathers on the planet, um, when he passed away very unexpectedly, I started to get all these sympathy letters And I said to my husband, Eddie McDowell, I said, I am going to start punching people in the face. I am already depressed. I am already on my ass. And I keep getting these friggin' sympathy letters with like seagulls flying over cactus (laughs) about my loss. I'm already depressed. I know my dad died. And everybody keeps reminding me of this. And so I said, we're not doing this. And so our cards are very brightly... um, decorated all the Sharpie pens. Um, We are very anal retentive about our Sharpie pens. We like all the bright colors because when you're in that dark place to open up a card, especially we've heard from so many people that open up hundreds and hundreds of medical bills a week and they see a card and they're like, ugh, what's in this? And then they open it up. Sympathy. And it's 73 women signing a card is unbelievable. Yeah. 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 That's an unbelievable sense of feeling connected and that is to the other theme of heartworks that what connects us more than anything else is the point that all of us will suffer at one point during our lives and when you have been through suffering and you show up at heartworks you are giving from a place of i know where you are i might not know you my person might have died from breast cancer and not ovario cancer or not um melanoma or not in a car accident, but I know loss. I know loss. And that's what connects us all. When you come, so as Megan said, I've been to one of the HeartWorks meetings. And it, it literally is the most transformative. Mm. And, you know, I'm the Irish, no crying, no, no crying in baseball. Like, we don't show <laughs> any emotion whatsoever. It was a little tough to hold it back when you're in there. Everybody cries at it's, the HeartWorks It's the meetings. most moving, transformative thing. And like I think yeah. you said, it's as... In a selfish way, I guess, which is a terrible thing to say because you're there to do 
you know, great things for others, mm. you selfishly feel mm. like this is transforming yeah. to me and I need yep. to come back because it's making me a better person Yes, somehow. But see, yeah, go ahead, Kath, uh, but, I'm sorry. But there's this, when you walk in, and as Megan said, there are cards, but the cards are laid out on tables all around the border of the room. And with each card is a story of that family or yeah. what they've gone through. And not in a way that's exposing something. It's in a mm. very kind, Intentional. respectful, you know, fact-ridden story. But you can go for, I mean, one story could be that this mom is in, like, she's so sick and she can't get up and she needs dinner, but I'll never forget there, this other story. So you go, you know, you sort of walk through each table and you see a picture and you see the story. And there was another story about a family who had lost their mom and it had been almost, I think it was a year. I may be off on specific facts, but Easter was coming up and the boys needed, someone needed to, you know, hide the eggs and yeah. the dad was so overwhelmed with all these little kids and one of them signed up to say I will go that morning and I'll hide the eggs and but stuff the eggs and stuff, stuff the, the eggs and hide eggs. the yeah. eggs and then yep. the next one you went to it was about um, somebody needing a tie the little boys needed a tie to mm. go to a funeral their parents funeral and one of the parents was just couldn't so it's every picture you go yes. to is something that you you're terrified by yes you can relate to and you're so motivated to do something. And I, I, I don't know how you have found this formula to do it so respectfully and so beautifully that you kind of walk out and you're like, I'm, I, I don't know, but you've done it. You, you have found that formula. I would say that's the secret sauce. And I've been doing yeah. nonprofit work for 20 plus years and I've never witnessed a nonprofit like this one. Um, that people do come because like you said, they want to give, but then once they give, they also are receiving and being part of um, this experience. And that the secret sauce that HeartWorks has is that it is all so personalized. Megan has a mm-hmm. fabulous advisory board that she works with. And board of directors. And board of directors. Um, I'm privileged to be a member of that. Um, <laughs> but, but her advisory board, literally, they do the day-in, day-out yeah. work. And they're there, and they think about every family. And nothing is done without such thoughtful, prayerful, you know, respect for these families. And it's very, very personalized. And that's the secret sauce. It's what these families need. And for somebody, it may be a gift card. But for somebody else, it may just be, help me decorate this year. I just can't even think about decorating for the holidays this year. I just don't feel it. And, you know, and we've all been there. But the kids want Christmas or the kids want that holiday. So HeartWorks will be there to put the decorations up. So it's all done so personalized, so thoughtfully. um, And it just works. And as we've all said, the people that are doing the work are actually receiving more in the end than anybody. Um, so it just, it's just a magic. And I think part of the respect for the families that are, as we say on our sacred table each month is because for me, when you are in a place of receiving, you are teaching me. I don't feel that it's the giver that's teaching because the giving can only start with the receiving. And when someone is, There's very few things in life that strip us to the core. Death and illness are two of them. And when someone is stripped to the core, they are not in the static that the rest of us are running around wondering about and worrying about. And they are so stripped and so pure that I pay attention to that. And I know that it is a blessing for me that they are in my life because when I'm caught up in the static of what soccer team my kid's getting on or what college my kids are going to go to or if I'm going to get invited to this party this weekend or 
whatever. Like I don't, you know, my family room needs the needs new furniture in it. I'm missing God. I'm missing my life. I'm missing connection. And that's what I think that is why in, in a town that we live in, that there is so much extra. It starts to cause pain for people because then we're so caught up in the extra and things that are not real start to feel very real and things that are not important start to feel very important. And there's a lot of illusion that goes on with the extra. And so what I'm about at HeartWorks is come through the door of HeartWorks and step out of all of that and just connect with other human beings. Because I say pretty much every month across the board, any of us can be on the table. I could be receiving from HeartWorks by the time I wake up tomorrow morning. And I don't think you know that until something in your life happens to you and it catapults you into that invisible suffering that you don't know about until you're there. But then once you're there, why go back? I say once you've been cracked open, the heart is meant to be cracked open because the more your heart is cracked wide open, the more room there is for God, for acceptance, for faith, for joy, even in the deep sorrows. At least you're living an authentic life in the deep sorrow. I would rather live an authentic life in deep sorrow than live in static and be wasting my time or be anxious about things that do not deserve my this level of anxiety. And that's what I think happens for so much of us, uh, for so many of us, so easily. The opposite of love is indifference. Amen. So you've been doing this for years. I'm guessing, do you have receivers that have now become givers? Absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the most beautiful, beautiful, beautiful things that have happened, um, one of the most powerful things for me is that, and I didn't even realize this when we started this, but we have now inadvertently created a space for people to come once their life has been shifted. So once someone, you know, we have so many women that sit at our meetings that their children have gone home to God, like their children are no longer on the planet. And when that happens, it is so, so massively disorienting. And the fact that I have these mothers come and sit in our meetings, and we just did a, our, one of our big fundraisers a couple of weeks ago, and there were several families there um, without their children on the planet. And the fact that they show up and that they feel safe enough um, to come to us, that in and of itself is worth it to me. And so when you're at the meeting, there's people from all different walks of life. I mean, no one at a certain age. I'm turning 49 in May. There's pretty much no one turning 49 um, or very few people that have had nothing happen traumatic in their life. Um, And we give people a place that once something has happened to you, come to HeartWorks, expand your heart. Don't shut down from it. I know that what happened for you was horrible. But you have a choice to let your heart shut down because your brother died of cancer when you were 17? Or is it an opportunity? Does your brother want you to open up your heart more, be more expansive, be more of a giving energy in the world, and use his death to the embitterment of other human beings? And that's what I would say the that most women, well, I think all women, Amy, I think you'd agree agree at the meetings, um, are looking for something deeper in their life. 
So, I, and I, I don't know if we discussed this, or I meant to discuss this earlier. So, Megan, can you tell us a little bit about your background, um, your training and sort of your degree going into sure. this as well? Sure. So, going into this, I was a social worker. Um, my husband and I and two of our three daughters um, were living out in Boulder, Colorado, pre-9-11. Um, and I, uh, I was a private therapist out there um, seeing clients uh, weekly, and when I came back to Bernersville before Heartworks started, um, I had a private practice in Morristown. And then when Heartworks started to evolve, and a course of miracles happened one after another, um, and we were given funding um, to really kind of up our game and get a space, we did Heartworks out of people's houses for uh, a number of years. Um, and that kind of turned into a shit show in and of itself. So we were really looking for um, more of a neutral space to have it at. Um, women are so funny. You know, we started to have it, Kathleen, at people's houses. And then I could see the weirdness of things. You know, somebody would say that they would host Heartworks. And then all of a sudden they were having um, all new uh, paint jobs done all around their house. And, you know, pulling out the china. And they're getting their hair blown out the day of the meeting and the whole. And I was like, oh, my Lord, we got to stop this. You know, women are just so funny how things very... Um, Without us even realizing it, they start to unravel and get out of control in a direction that is not supportive of growth. Um, and so when we were doing it at people's houses, it just kind of became uh, – it just wasn't – it wasn't working for me because people would come. Then they're looking around the house, comparing the house to their house. You know, the whole – you would – it was – it really started to kind of seep into what we were doing. And so to be able to have a neutral place, and that's something that we do in HeartWorks too, we say to women, come as you are. So if you've been in your festers, which to me is like, that's Tressa's term for your disgusting yoga pants that you've been in for three days. If you need to get out of your festers and get dressed and put makeup on, then certainly do that. But if you've been at work all week in your suit with your makeup on and your hair up, then Put your put your uh, yoga pants on, put your hooded sweatshirts on, and come to Heartworks House. So there's all these things behind the scenes that have to happen with women in order for them to feel comfortable coming. And I try to knock out as many of them as we, po as we possibly can because women will literally not show up at something if we don't know what to wear. <laughs> it is so true. It's and so, so true. we knock and that right out. Like when you think about how important and how how – organically yes. based this is yes. it's just doing something for others but you can't get out of your own way sometimes you cannot get out of your own way and Kathleen. it's not yes. it doesn't make you any less of a person no. than the person who shows up but that you are able to take that weight off of their yes. shoulders we try to strip everybody as much as possible in terms of don't worry about what you're wearing you don't have to make a huge commitment because as soon as women here i say oh do you want to come to <gasps> i don't want to go to a meeting i got too much going on <laughs> Meeting. You shouldn't say I that say, word. Right. Just, well, no kidding. No, no. kidding. No kidding. It's a non-meeting, like your non-conference, like non non Kathleen. It's a non-meeting. It's a non-meeting. So, and that's why when you come to a meeting, there's wine, there's cheese and crackers, there's seltzer uh, for the non-wine drinkers. Um, you know, we try to make it as homey as possible. And... Wine and appetizers, and it used to be Diet Coke, but I haven't had a Diet Coke in over a year. Thank you, Jesus. Um, so we don't have the Diet Coke at meetings anymore. But, um, you know, we try to, we just try to make it um, as, as loving as possible so that women will come. 
And honest to God, if you don't think you know what to wear, you will not show up. We do this whole thing. This is another bottle of wine. But we honor our veterans in in all different ways because I just – I feel that we live in such a – our town is unbelievable. Our community is unbelievable. Our country is literally protected every day by people that are in the trenches so that I can go to Target. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about those families that are literally creating the life that I live. And so we do a bunch of honoring in different ways for our United States veterans who created the pathway for my life before I was even born. And so the short story is twice a year, one of the things that we do is the week before Veterans Day, the week before Memorial Day, we do these flag raisings. And the uh, VFW men, who we absolutely adore, um, show up and we do these ceremonies for them. And it's this really, truly moving experience. I mean, I say to people, if you want to get out of your shit, come and stand with World War II veterans at 8 o'clock in the morning and look into their eyes. And know that they went to war before you were born so that you can go to work and run your errands and go to yoga today. And so we have this incredible gathering for these men twice um, for two weeks out of the year. And a woman who I knew had been to HeartWorks before knew me, knew the scene. She's running out of the the post office at full sprint. And I said, oh, I flagged her down. I said, oh, are you going to stay for the ceremony? And she says, oh, my God, no, look at me. Look at me. I'm a mess. I'm a mess. And she's like guarding herself like she's, you know, yeah, the hunchback from Notre Dame, like with her hands up over her face because she didn't have mascara on. And she got in her car and sped away. And I said, oh, my God, is this what we have done to ourselves as women, that we are willing to risk not being opened up to the truth of life, to the love of life, to the love of God, because we don't have mascara on. And it's an issue, Kathleen, and it needs to be addressed. And that's what we're trying to address. So we say, you know, we, I have to be very overt in emails that come see the vets in your pajamas. Come in your festers. Come in your yoga pants. Come with your, the bun on top of your head with no mascara on. Because by you getting real about life and having that true connection, that's what heals you. Not presenting yourself in a certain way to the world. That doesn't help anybody. I'm a therapist. I see people every week. And one of the things that is messing with women in particularly the most is when you're trying to present yourself a certain way, but internally you're struggling. That just adds to the hell that you're already in. And, you know, sometimes I I guess, and social media, of course, adds to all of this as well, but those that are probably struggling the most are most concerned about the presentation on the other side. Of so course. it's almost that's the saddest thing is that of the course. women who, or anyone who probably needs the most help sometimes puts on such a good show face that it's missed or it's lost. But it's so lost, and that is so painful for me. It's so painful for me because we're all struggling in one way or another, and I've just, I don't know, I've just gotten over it. I can just walk into any space now and just say I'm on my ass <laughs> and, I, and I need help, you know? <laughs> I'm just I'm just over it. I just I don't want to waste my life presenting in a way that's not showing struggle because the struggle is what connects us. And I would so much it, when I'm with someone that is being open and honest about being on their ass, they are actually in a more comfortable space regardless of the pain than someone who is on their ass and trying to cover it up. 
that is so much more painful and takes so much more energy and so much more effort. Do you, do you a st- and again, you have millions of stories over all these years of what you've done, but that you're saying now, is there one maybe one story or one family mm. or one person that sort of changed this, like that you saw this happening and there was some big change and they, they sure. let go and, and sort of inspired you to even work harder towards those who were having more of a hard time sure. letting go? Um, that's a good question. I, I think, uh, hadn't put any thought into that cause you just kind of sprung that one on me. Um, but I think the story that would come to mind is my dear, um, Mary Cap. So, um, uh, my friend Mary was one of my, uh, soulmate besties, love, love, loves, like just one of those women that you meet, um, in your adult life that you are just so in love with that you wish you went to grammar school and high school and college <laughs> together, right? Yes, Kathleen, like us. I'm yes. To everyone She's in the room right now. I love everyone here. Um, and so my Mary was one of these women and, uh, Mary lived for 14 years with stage four breast cancer. Um, she had no interest in dying. She had no interest in leaving her three children and her husband, Andrew, um, and her family and her friends. And she was just this beloved, beloved woman. Um, and what happened, the story was that not, not Thanksgiving of 2017, but the Thanksgiving of 2016, she was on a new med and she was really struggling, like really sick on the couch. You knew when she couldn't have her Pinot Grigio, she was bad. And, uh, she wasn't having the Pinot Grigio and, I just walked in. I knew she was really struggling. It was the day before Thanksgiving. And uh, I said, Mayor, what do we need to do? Let me let me do things for you. And she's like, no, Meg, you got people coming over. You got we do this big pie run at my house when we have 80 people over for breakfast. And she says, you're having 80 people over for breakfast tomorrow morning. You got Thanksgiving yourself. Don't help me. I'm like, Mary, give me a break. Because what she was forgetting about was me seeing her on the couch made me forget. And I didn't care that my house wasn't clean for the breakfast the next day. It didn't matter. It literally didn't matter to me. It wasn't on my radar that I hadn't bought the orange juice yet. Like, who cares? So maybe there's not going to be orange juice tomorrow morning, but I get to sit and spend the day with you, Mayor. Give me a break. My love, my Mary, I want to sit here on the couch with you. So she says, oh, I got to bring some stuff out. Andrew will be home from work. And she said, I got a vacuum. And this, (laughs) this like shifted my life. She says, I got a vacuum. I said, well, you don't really have to vacuum. I mean, <laughs> Jesus, that's like the vacuums. least on the list right now. Who vacuums, Mayor? Who vacuums? I said, all right, Mayor, let me vacuum. No. She was so friggin' adamant about not letting me vacuum that my face is getting red. I'm breaking out into a rash. I'm starting to cry. I said, Mary, Jesus, please let me vacuum. There's nothing more I want to do with my life right now than friggin' vacuum your house. And she wouldn't let me do it. Now, I understood on some level that if she was going to allow me to vacuum, for her, that meant she was really sick. If Megan has to come over the day before Thanksgiving and vacuum for me. So this is happening in my head that I, I know what she's thinking. I must really be sick if Megan vacuums. So I wasn't, I wasn't able to maintain eye contact with her when I said this because I knew I was going to cry. And it just wasn't a moment. Normally, I'm a big fan of crying and being authentic. But this was not the moment for that. So I kind of turned my head and I said, you know, Mayor, me vacuuming for you maybe doesn't mean that you're sick. Maybe it's not about that. Maybe it's just about being loved. Maybe I just love you. And one of the ways that I can show you I love you is to vacuum your friggin' house right now. 
It's just about the love mare. Let's not make this about anything else. And she wouldn't let me vacuum. And I was pissed. And I got in my car and I was pissed. I let it go, but I was pissed. And then we fast forward a year later, uh, Thanksgiving of 2017. We didn't know it, but she was going to pass away in two weeks uh, in the beginning of December. And she was so sick, Kathleen, um, that when I said, how about Heartworks gives you Thanksgiving dinner from the nicest restaurant in town? I said, I'm going to call the Bernard's in. We're going to have this beautiful dinner catered for you. She was so sick that she just looked and she just nodded her head. And I said, that's my girl, Mary. I said, thank you for letting me walk with God. Thank you for giving me this experience of openness, of this vast love for you and your family. Thank you. You just made my Thanksgiving by saying yes to me. So I go over on Thanksgiving Day, and she's upstairs trying to get out of bed, and her sister-in-law is dressing her, and she's sitting in a chair, but she can't get herself down to the table. And we're just kind of sitting there, and it's very quiet, and she's looking at me, and I'm looking at her, and we're both kind of wrapping our brains around what is happening, that she's fading, and she can't even get downstairs to go to have dinner with her family. And I hear laughter. And we can smell the turkey and the mashed potatoes and the gravy that the Bernard's Inn had made for her coming up the stairs and into her room. And she just looks and she says, it's okay, Meg. And I said, it's okay, Mayor. And it took her being that sick two weeks before her death to say yes. And so I tell that story to say to everybody out there that is waiting, you don't have to wait. It's not about pity. It's not about you being weak. It's just about love. That everything that someone wants to do for you is not because we don't think you can handle it or that whatever your ego is telling you, it's not true. The truth is we love you. We're on the planet together. Things need to get done. Your kids need to get to sports. Lunches need to be made. Your house might need to be vacuumed. And just allow that to happen so that we can be creating more love in the world. And if there is one thing that we need right now, it's love. And by people who are struggling and vulnerable right now saying yes, that is what activates that process. And it cannot happen without people saying yes. So I'm sort of assuming that, I don't know if there's something typical, but um, that the, re quote, requests you get are maybe a, the friend, a friend from a friend mm -hmm. who has a friend that's suffering mm -hmm. and not from the person who's actually suffering. Mm -hmm. And what I assume food is probably kind of a first thing you give. Yeah, food, is, food you know, is an easy one. Uh, oftentimes we leave food for the closer circles because, again, I don't want to take something away from family and neighbors or the soccer team or the, um, you know, their church. Mm -hmm. So if meals are not being done for someone, we certainly kick in and do that in the most intrusive way that we can. We put a cooler outside so that nobody has to answer the door like I spoke, uh, spoke about earlier. Um, but it's really whatever, like we just sit around and we're like, holy shit, if this was us, what would what we would want right want? now? Right. right. What would, you what want? would we want? Right. Or sometimes, you know, right now, currently there's a, a little girl in Basking Ridge who goes to the high school and her mom is sick. Um, 
And I just said, you know, if I was as sick as her mom, I couldn't be making the lunches every day. Like, I struggled to make my kids lunch, and I I feel good. You know, I said, so what if we just start delivering lunches to her? So we find out what her favorite sandwiches are from what delis. Women sign up at the meetings, and a couple days a week she gets a lunch. And I always say, add a note. Her mom is homesick. Add a note. Bring her her favorite sandwich. Write a note. Put it in a beautiful bag with a beautiful napkin. Give her something to look forward to when lunchtime comes. Um, Other times we might say, um, this family needs a trip. They've been through these horrific circumstances. Let's just send them away for a weekend. Um, The holidays, we just do whatever someone would need on a holiday. We do um, for Valentine's Day. We had some moms that had passed away, and I knew that maybe the husband's weren't going to get up and maybe do a Valentine's Day breakfast. So we just say we're going to deliver paper goods and bagels and, you know, um, candy for the husband who is already just overwhelmed with taking care of the kids and might not have time to go to Rite Aid to get the chocolate uh, or Godiva, depending (laughs) on who you are. Um, You know, then we just wrap that stuff up and give it to him to give the kids. You must get so many requests. I mean, I can't even imagine because there's so much tragedy out yeah. there. So how do you how do you how do you organize that? Like how do you pick who you're going to deliver? You want to, to? speak to that, Aim? Well, I was just going to add because I don't know if we gave sort of the parameters. We do have, and Megan can speak to it, but because we we do have a lot of requests, and there are certain parameters, certain parameters around around mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, it's, it's acute illness. It's usually the first year after um, loss, death, um, that we try to, you know, those guidelines. But you can speak more, too. And then we just sit around and really figure out what feels fair and what a person needs. Tell me again what your question was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm saying you must get so many yeah, requests. Sure. I mean, not even requests, but just like tragedies that happen around us. Yep. But how do you organize and prioritize? Well, see, that's the fantastic thing about being a woman. Women know how to organize. <laughs> of course we do. And, you know, we say that we get shit done at the, at the HeartWorks house. Um, right. We sit around. We have meetings every other week with the advisory board, which is about 10 women. I meet with my board of directors once a month. And we literally have a running list on a whiteboard of different families and We pray all the time. We pray for God to open up our minds and our hearts and be very direct on what this family needs. And the Holy Spirit is talking to us all the time. My mother laughs because she'll say, how'd you sleep last night? I I said, well, the Holy Spirit had me up all night (laughs) and I have to keep a notebook next to my bed. And I think that we are just um, given ideas on what to do for people. And then I live, again, in such a, a community that has so much extra and so much um, love that everybody can afford to show up and give. It, it's never a worry for me. I know that a lot of nonprofits worry about support showing up. It's never a worry for me because I think once you start to do it, people are craving it. I, I can't believe we have to end, but what a perfect note to end on. I don't want to go. I want to keep talking about this. And it, it is absolutely amazing. And anyone who's listened in tonight or caught any portion of this, it is one of the most inspirational, motivational, I think, uh, 501c3s that I've ever heard about. But on top of it, it, it's one that gives constantly. It gives to those who give and it gives to those who yes. receive. And I don't know how often yep. you find something like that in life. 
So I can't encourage all of you enough to go find out more about this, more about Megan, more about Amy, what they do in the board of directors, what everybody's doing about this, and you can't help yourself but to get involved. And so we have about 30 seconds. Megan, quickly, how can people find out about HeartWorks? So our website, uh, the correct website, don't listen to Kathleen. <laughs> I will not give it because I've given it wrong. <laughs> is njheartworks.org. And uh, and, we're, and you can like us on Facebook. I'm not a Facebooker, but that's the term, right? You say like us on Facebook. I think so. Perf. And Megan will be speaking, by the way, at the Morph Mom non-conference yes. on Monday, April 23rd at the Morris Museum. So you can go online on morphmom.com to find out more about that as well. I want to thank my co-hosts tonight, Amy, Lisa, and Seema. They were amazing. There's just so much to be done and so much to learn about and what we have to do. And Megan, thank you for beginning this, continuing it and allowing us all to just join the journey. Thank Thank you you for coming. Thank you everyone. And we'll see you next week. Good night, everyone. Thank you. Hi, I'm Danny Ilo. You may know me as an actor, but one of the things that I'm most proud of is my service to this country. In the army, I saw firsthand how training and discipline instill a values that create great leadership abilities and a can do spirit. Those same strong values stay with service members when they return to civilian life and enter the workplace. So remember the highest smart and bet on a vet. To learn more, call 